Welcome to Superyacht Radio. I have the pleasure of being joined today for a discussion about mental health in our industry. I'm joined today by Karen Passman from Impact Crew and Liz Ba from Red Square Medical. Welcome, ladies. It is lovely to have you on air today. Lovely to be here. Thank you for inviting us. It's our pleasure. Thank you very much. So um, can I just get a little bit more for our listeners who haven't heard necessarily about Impact Crew or Red Square Medical. Um, Karen, starting with you, Impact Crew, you've been going a number of years. Can you explain what the focus of the company is? Sure. Impact Crew was formed specifically with the purpose of bringing team and leadership development to the maritime sector. My background is in, mar- is in management consultancy um, and having worked in the corporate sector, felt that a lot of the tips and tools uh, that uh, support leaders in the corporate world would be beneficial for the superior sector too. And Liz, you have long experience in the maritime sector and in the medical sector of the maritime industry. Yes, that's right. I've been at it now for over 20 years, having started out my life in the military, working on warships. Um, but the reason that Red, Mess, Red Square Medical came about was there seems to be a really high demand for uh, experienced maritime medical professionals. Uh, there seems to be a bit of a shortage, actually. So um, I put together Red Square Medical to deliver training and consultancy across all sectors of the industry. Right. So between you both, a lot of experience in the yachting sector. <laughs> um, we're talking today, really looking at a looking in depth at mental health in our industry. Um, Can I start with just looking over your year's experience? Do you feel that there is a rise in um, mental health issues in our industry? Um, I I think it's quite a hard question to answer because our data is actually very limited as to mental health in previous seafaring generations. Uh, From an anecdotal perspective, it certainly seems to be more of an issue. But then the generations are different in their approach to talking about mental health and in particular poor mental health, which is not a criticism. It's just an observation. Um, So what I'm finding, though, is that the more we talk about it and understand that good mental health is equally as important as good physical health, the more people are willing to have those discussions across the generations. I can just say, I think that would be true, you know, particularly over the past 20 or 30 years, uh, even just on a domestic level, there have been a lot Mm. more awareness, a lot more people talking about depression and anxiety. There's been a lot of movements to help protect people from suicide. Um, it, It has become at long last, a bigger discussion. Um, But I do think it probably is reflected. Uh, Unfortunately, we don't, we have a certain amount of data, don't we, about stress in our industry, but not necessarily about the state of mental health. Karen? Yes, well, I I agree with you. I certainly think we're hearing about more cases. and, And I guess whether that is due to an actual increase or whether there is just more reporting, that's not clear. Um, But certainly mental health is now being recognized um, as perhaps being equally as important as physical health. I think that is true for all of us. Um, But looking more specifically at our industry, what do you think are the particular stressors or challenges that face yacht crew? Can I start with you, Karen, on that one? I think there's some very high standards and expectations that the industry has from how you look, your weight, um, 
to the ability to party hard as well as work back-to-back charters. Um, and often they don't get any time off. And I think where we perhaps see rotation in place for all crew, at least they do have some light at the end of the tunnel. So when times do get tough or and they're exhausted, they know that they're going to be able to go home perhaps a month's time or so. Um, I think it can be challenging for some junior crew where their seniors rotate because the seniors get to go home, regroup, refresh, and they come back to the, the juniors who now have been working maybe three, four months straight as are really exhausted. And the seniors want to sort of get the same levels of enthusiasm and energy that they now have refreshed. So I think it can be challenging. And Liz? I think um, on top of what Karen's already mentioned, one of the things that we see is is this perceived lack of support that people may think is going on, especially with that rotational position where they've got different people coming in to manage them and who have different management styles. Um, I think the, the fact that we're so connected now is playing a big part because every element of everybody's life can be played out on a device in front of you and you have no control over that if you're thousands of miles away. Uh, the financial commitments. One of the things that I see um, with the work that I do in the super yacht sector is that there's some pretty good money to be earned. And actually you you, um, you commit financially to quite a lot more because your your income is better and it's managing those financial commitments can be tricky. Uh, so from my perspective those those are things certainly that i've picked up on on top of all the things that karen has already mentioned i I also think that sometimes we can see varying standards of leadership on board and i think that in turn can have a significant impact on how crew are so the culture on board a particular boat is it inclusive do we see any discrimination do we see any bullying and so forth so i certainly think that adds to it and the fact that they don't get to go home at the end of the day and vent off. We can do that, but they can't. I, I think that for, for many of us, if you consider not having a personal space or sharing your personal space, not having the same connections that you can work, walk away from work and close the door. And, and also, it's a very diverse international group of ages and nationalities and languages even. You know, what we, how we communicate, what somebody might say to me if they're Dutch is very different to perhaps how I would say something if I'm Irish. So we have all these cultural nuances in our crew and our, our industry as well, which, you know, can cause confusion and, and also a, a sense of separation if you don't have a strong team dynamic within your, within your yacht or your boat or whatever you're on. Um, Absolutely. And I, and I think that's probably a, a really um, good point to bring through is, is these cultural differences, because it can be very difficult to pick up and understand what people mean when they say something. And, and in, in one culture, you say it in a particular way and you, somebody else will take that the wrong way. And then you end up with these divides. And, and I think if you have that certainly between management and crew, um, we can really start to see some of the problems. You can see why these problems would arise. To focus just a little bit more on on how differently uh, mental health can present, um, we had an event here in Mallorca called Life is for Living back in May and some very moving speakers. And one of the things that really struck me is uh, a, a young uh, crew told her story of, of how she got depressed and 
uh, was suicidal. Another um, captain uh, shared his story, and they presented in very, very different ways. You know, for one, for the captain, it was kind of being an adrenaline junkie. For the girl, it was, you know, the trauma and the emotional trauma and feeling isolated. Um, how do you see age or sex or position having a, an effect on mental health? I think, I mean, it's such an interesting question. And because we've got so little real data on the, on the way that older generations um, perceive mental health and, and have experienced mental health, um, I feel that probably what I ought to say here is this most of this information is anecdotal. Um, the generations that have typically been before us um, have always been perceived to be very robust and resilient in their approach to work. Um, but from my experience working with seafarers, um, certainly during 80s and 90s, the perception was that it was a weakness mm -hmm. to admit to any kind of poor mental health. So consequently, this leads to people internalising their feelings and quite often this internalising can lead to long term issues with um, the, the main things I saw were alcohol, uh, anger management problems, um, sleep deprivation and all that that brings with it. So, I mean, in some of the worst cases, these people have become suicidal because they can't discuss their mental health issues. Um, so a lot of them, it's seeing those subtle changes in their behaviour and and picking up on the fact that they were drinking more than normal or their eyes were red because they hadn't slept properly. And now today's gener generation have grown up differently um, to my generation, certainly, and generations before me. I had no connectivity at sea. I, I was allowed one letter once a month <laughs> and I was I got a 10 minute phone call once a month if I was lucky. So actually, um, the information I was given was quite uh, tempered from from home and the information that I gave them was tempered. But now with connectivity being just a given, the ge this generation have never known any different and we can't put what we think is our normal onto them because that's their normal. Mm -hmm. And I think they are more exposed to talking about their mental health. I think there's a lot less in the way of a stigma attached to it but I don't think we're anywhere close to completely destigmatizing it and the way that you talk about the differences in presentation one of the things I learned really early on in my career was that a lot of mental health will manifest in a physical way so you'd have somebody and they turn up and knock on my door and say Liz I, I feel rubbish I've got this I'm sick I've got a headache and the history that you'd get and the examination that I would do physically didn't match. And I would end up with this sort of set of clinical information that made no sense. And you'd sit there and you think, no, there's something else going on here. And then you start digging. And actually, that's when it starts to come out. Now, I'm in a privileged position because I, I'm medical and people know that when they come and talk to me that they're bound by medical inconfidence. And I think the conversation is harder for crew members to have with their mates on board because there isn't that divide of the medical inconfidence. Does that yeah. make sense? And I think one of the other things is when you're talking about the need to talk, being more connected, you know, we, the average crew member is a lot more connected than you were, but mm. that does not necessarily allow... Uh, communication necessarily 
Do you know if if you if you may have twenty friends or fifty friends or a hundred friends on on Facebook or WhatsApp, but that doesn't necessarily mean you get the same experience of sitting down face to face. We're not necessarily less lonely, even though we're more connected. No, I, I agree. It's um, it, I, I'm all for connection. I think being more connected at sea is is a really good thing and a real positive. But I agree with you that. Um, it's got to be the right type of connection and and social media doesn't always give you that right type of connection um i think whatsapp can give you a better type of connection because it's it's more, more individual and more direct um but i think probably one of the things that i've always cherished is the ability to sit down with a good friend and just just mm. have a jolly good vent at the end of a really bad day yeah yeah i know that feeling and karen <laughs> Yeah, I think when you look at the connectivity, I think there's another side to that, which is the expectations. So the impact when the connectivity goes down can be very significant as well, because the expectations are I have 24-7 connection. Um, I think the other thing is when they ring home and then can't get through to the people or, or WhatsApp and they're not responding. So the mind starts to play games. Mm. Um, and I think perhaps one aspect of education that's lacking and certainly in the merchant sector they're starting to talk about it is do we need to start educating the families at home about what you do and don't share and what you you know because people will start to make up stories that loved ones are having relations with other people and they're no longer friends with me etc etc the dog's sick. Do they need to know today? Desperately <laughs> ill because hopefully tomorrow it'll be fine. <laughs> mm. So, uh, what got both of you into looking more f or focused more on mental health in the industry? How has this? Because this is really something both of you have been involved in growing an awareness from your from your both sides and together to grow the awareness about mental health. Karen, where did it start for you in particular? In particular, it started for me when Icewan contacted me a couple of years ago and said, we're looking to do uh, some research into crew welfare. And having conducted the crew turnover survey many years ago now and, and identifying that many crew felt bullied, they often left because they were unhappy, um, I was very happy to support them and help them. The report came out in December and one of the big things that was raised from that report were their concerns for crew mental health. Um, so aside from it being spoken about extensively ashore and in the corporate world, it was clearly having a, a big impact in the maritime world. So having been part of that, um, not so much part of the research, but certainly the dissemination of the findings, it was at that stage that I got in contact with Liz from Red Square Medical. And I just said, we need to do something around mental health but I don't think that just sits in either the medical domain or in our interpersonal domain that we deal with at Impact Crew. And that's why Liz and I got together and formed this workshop called Stress Happens, so, specifically focusing on the mental health of crew. This is a uh, specific... Sorry, I need to... I'm getting a feedback when I'm talking, which is really annoying. One, two, three. Much better. Let me try that again. Um, the Stress Happens Workshop. This is open to all crew. Is it something you do on board? How does it, 
how does it work and, and how did you put it together? What was your focus on, on putting together this workshop? So the idea behind the workshop is initially was that it was delivered on board for an entire crew. But obviously, yes, it can be adapted. So we've ensured that it's flexible um, to meet whether it's shoreside needs or certain crew, individual crew needs, etc. Merchant sector as well. I think I'd just like to add at this point, it's it's been um, a long development process as well, because one of the things that Karen and I felt very strongly about is that this isn't the sort of thing that should be rushed into. It needed input from all parties. So we 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 piloted at one of the uh, P&I clubs, the UK P&I club, and invited the, the seafaring charities and, and heads of various sectors to come and see what they thought and we've taken all their input and feedback and 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 really developed stress happens to do exactly what Karen says is to be flexible enough that we can adapt it for the crews on board the super yacht we can also then adapt it to the management so that actually they are receiving the same information and they can work together to improve their communications as well so it's very much about prevention rather than than cure um that's that's what we do in medicine we we work on prevention rather than cure and stress happens um was born because we felt very strongly that we didn't want people to get to the point of having to cry for help we wanted them to um be able to learn about themselves and what what stresses them out and and how to prevent that from happening and prevent it from escalating into um you know a bad stress reaction and is it for uh, from senior crew all the way down to the junior crew i mean Everybody. it involves the whole team on board i presume yes absolutely Can there was little point in educating perhaps just the senior crew because to support each other you need to observe each other you need to be working in close proximity and the chances are if somebody starts to demonstrate some changes in behavior that could raise concern if it's a junior crew member, the most likely person to observe it would be another junior crew member yeah. rather than a senior one. Can I just ask on a technical side? At the moment, uh, one of the reasons I bring this up was because we had a discussion about mental health earlier this year and, and a captain on board said one of the most helpful courses he did was having a... a people management being aware of emotions course early in his career i can't quite remember what he called it at the moment in in training for senior crew what is in place for helping train up senior crew to be not just good leaders but also aware of mental issues and and keeping good mental health in their team karen so at the moment we have the helm courses which are the helm operational, the helm management, the human element of leadership and management. So that give, does give the senior crew some tools to deal with stress, fatigue, some of those causes. Um, it doesn't go into any great depth. It, it's limited. And for a lot of people, it has become um, rather a tick box exercise. I know that it is something that is being looked at at a more senior level, perhaps around the certification but at the moment, it's fairly limited, certainly from the interpersonal point of view. And for junior crew, does it come up at all? Not at the moment. So again, you know, does something need to come in at SDCW? Perhaps? 
I can just add in, I, I do the STCW medical training courses at all levels. So from the elementary first aid through to medical first aid up to the proficiency in medical care, which the chief mates and masters do. But also actually a lot of chief stews will do as well on the super yachts because the, the role has been delegated to them. And more and more of the training centres now are adding a mental health module into their STCW training, although it is not a requirement because I think the feeling is that we really should have it in there somewhere. So we're addressing it from the, the mental health and the physical health perspective. And I think, um, you know, what I, I believe in strongly is that good mental health does not just come from a medical background. It comes from good leadership and management. It comes from a great teamwork. It comes from... Um, as Karen said, observing those people that you're with and, and picking up on the subtle nuances that, that shows something's not quite right. So I do think there needs to be some joined up thinking about how we do educate crew in the future on this um, and not try and compartmentalise it particularly to it's a leadership and management course or it's a medical course or it's this. I think it needs to be brought in as a much more joined up approach. Part of the, part of the whole process um, because your big focus, I believe, on the workshop is not necessarily focusing on signs of mental health or mental distress, but is looking to put things in place to prevent people getting mentally unwell, so to speak. Definitely. I, I mean, I think one of the things that I found absolutely fascinating in my military career was the different ways that stress affects people and the different um, triggers that people have personally for stress reactions and um, part of my naval career took me to the Royal Marines where I became an assessor for post-traumatic stress disorder so once I left the military I didn't want to lose that interest and, and spent a lot of time talking to people and asking what stresses you out and thinking that's not stressful to me and then they were saying, but it is really stressful for me. And you're telling me that stresses you and that wouldn't stress me. So it's, it's so personal that we can't just sort of whitewash everybody and say that's stressful, that's stressful, that, that isn't. Um, and that's what Karen and I've tried really hard to work on is let's look at the individual individual's stressors and help them put little little things in place that can stop them from going into the bad stress reaction. Out of interest of, of the workshops you've done with different crew, what has come back to you as being the biggest stressors? I mean, messiness or lack of personal space or um, have, have you had feedback from crew of these are the things that tick us off the most or that raise our stress levels? I think in the super yacht sector, it is the close proximity that people work with and therefore it becomes the communications and personalities that they have on board. So forget nationalities, differences, age differences. It's, it can just be a pure and simple a personality and somebody winds somebody else up. They think it's a bit of fun, a bit of banter, and it just gets, takes that other person to the next level. As having I gone to boarding school, I can testify to as well. <laughs> <laughs> I think, sorry, just coming from the conversations that I've had as well, the other thing that does tend to wind people up quite a lot is when um, one of the crew members is not perceived to be pulling their weight. Mm. 
Mm. So um, the the other crew feel like they have to pick up and take up the slack, almost covering because they don't want that person to get into trouble. And I think sometimes that can really um, create a divide that, that doesn't need to be there if there's good communication in place. And of course, poor leaders. I mean, that, that's going to take a huge account. Um, you do hear some fairly shocking stories of some senior crew behaving completely inappropriately. Uh, the, the thought of the words hubris syndrome come to mind, you know, the power goes to their heads. Um, there are some amazing senior crew out there and equally there are some very poor senior crew. I don't know that they all choose to behave in that way. It's just that, again, that there isn't a huge amount of leadership development for them. And sometimes it's just not knowing what to do in this situation. So maybe just shouting louder will work. Um, I, I just mentioned this recently because it was a, a lovely example to me. Um, we interviewed the crew that got back from the five deeps. And among many other adventures they had, one of the things that resonated most was when they talked about the whole team. So everyone from the chef to Vis Victor Viscovo, who had organized the whole thing, um, everyone on board was on a level playing field. They all worked hard. They all, there was just a tremendous amount of respect and teamwork together. And they were, you know, nine months diving to the deepest parts. But what resonated most was how incredible this adventure was because of the companionship and teamwork that went into putting this amazing project in place. And I think there's a big lesson in that of crew I've met. You know, a, a lot of the times they've loved the boat because it has had just the right dynamic, the right kind of figuring of, of people together. It sounds like they were working with the dream team. <laughs> I think it's what we all aspire to. Um, and and I, certainly having a really clear common goal is one of the foundations of being able to create that dream team. You know, all three teams will go through times of conflict and so forth and, you know, trying to find their, what's normal for them. Um, but once when they do achieve that dream team status, it's great. The challenge you'll always have is when crew leave, there's a winding back of the clock and, and to some extent they have to rebuild, reform that team. And I think that's another one of the big challenges of the industry. Crew turnover is very high. It's running at around 50% of crew leaving within 12 months. Wow. And that's across all the positions. That's not just, just junior, junior crew, it's higher. When we did the crew turnover survey, it was in and around 64% do you within 12 months. Do you think that comes from, I mean, if, if you love your job and you love your team, you're less likely to want to leave it. So I, I hate to say it, but I think that's a sad reflection that half of crew after 12 months are thinking, you know what, I, I think there's something better because either because there's something better or because they're not enjoying what they're doing. We, we tend not to look if we're really happy. Mm. You know, I've heard stories of crew who really should have moved on, but they stayed because they're really happy with the boat and the crew that they're working with. And for as long as they have that status quo, most of them will stay. Sure, after two or three years, you know you need the next promotion, you'll move on. Well, one of the things for uh, happy mental health at work is to feel valued and and when you're valued, you do feel happy. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's and and to be valued, you don't need somebody to pat you on the back and say, "Bloody brilliant job, well done, old son." You just need somebody to recognise that you are pulling your weight. You're part of the team, and that even if your contribution seems minor to you, it's you know without it that the, the bigger picture doesn't work. So, so um, feedback is is a huge part of it. It doesn't necessarily always have to be positive feedback. But feedback at least recognizes what you're doing and what level you're at. Well, I think it's it's the feedback, yes, but it's the involvement of all levels um, and allowing them to know that their role is important. You know, you're not just A. You should never say I'm just A. You know, the job that you do is important. You contribute. And without you, we wouldn't be able to do as well as we're doing. So I think it's that that in being um, valued and being involved as part of the team, no matter what what level you perceive yourself to be working at. Absolutely. I mean, there's an awful lot of theories out there around motivation, what motivates and drives people. Is it recognition? Is it self-esteem? Um, and, and it's different for different people. You know, having the opportunity to develop is really important. But that doesn't necessarily mean a promotion. Skill development, you know, having the opportunity to learn something new, receiving that feedback, positive developmentally, something that the younger generation are really keen on. And and we're hearing that more and more about the concerns for our environment is that they want to have an impact. They want to do something for the greater good. It's not just about themselves and money. So when vessels go out of their way, for example, um, is it Laurel this year Mm -hmm. over in the Bahamas? I suspect that crew will be really, really tight now, mm. having had that experience and doing the support work that they did. And they'll be feeling pretty good and rightly say about themselves. Looking at those that, that are feeling stressed or strained, what are the supports that are available to people? Particularly, I mean, they're in a more challenging position, as we said. They can't walk home. They can't close the door. They don't have necessarily family and friends around. They can't easily go to the same therapist down the road every week um, for crew and uh, marine generally what are the options available to help support them when they start to feel that everything's a little bit too much i think my advice would always be firstly try and try and take a deep look inside yourself and figure out what it is that's causing you the stress Um, And is there anybody in the crew that you could talk to? Um, And it might not necessarily be your best friend on board, but it might be somebody that you respect and trust and you value their opinion. If that's not possible because you don't feel comfortable or you you think that what you're going to say might have an impact on your job, then there's a vast amount of free phone lines that you can contact through a lot of the maritime charities They're doing some amazing work with online courses, um, raising awareness. There's a lot of information out there. I think probably I'm better off passing over to Karen for the the portals of entry to this information. She she knows a lot more about it than I do. Karen? (laughs) Thanks, Liz. No. Um, But you do. (laughs) The work that Icewan have been doing um, was great. So they completed this uh, research. They developed the report but they didn't want to just leave it there. So what they've actually done is they've harnessed um, a team of people uh, from across the industry to try and put some processes in place that will support specifically super yacht crews. They already run a 24-hour helpline. Um, 
So that's already in existence. That's there for crew at any time. What they're currently doing is through their own portal called Yacht Crew Help, which they're at the moment raising funds for. So crew guys out there, if you can put your hand in your pocket to help your mate or maybe help you out one day, um, what they're looking to do is create this single portal that will enable crew to access all the help that's out there for maritime and in particular for the super yacht crew. So whether that be from a 24-hour helpline to I just need somebody to talk to at some point in time, who could I talk to? Is there somebody in port? I know that they've had a chaplain in Palmer supporting um, and that was funded as a result of this Ice One work. And down to learning more about mental health, so whether it's an online course or just a repository of information. One of the things that prevent people looking for help is in the fact that of job security. They're very worried that if they need some time, how do they manage it or how do they... And it's part... I, I think it's also part of the getting over and there's two opinions on this yes it certainly can impact you if you've taken three months off it it will be seen um, on the other hand it's very important that you prioritize your mental health and one of the feedbacks we've had is maybe if you are going through cycles maybe this is not the right industry for you either it's a tricky one i realize but it is i think fear is one of the things that prevent people uh, getting help, why they, either fear of stigmatism, that they're <laughs> depressed or anxious or not managing it, and how they manage their job. Is there any sort of advice you can share with people? Sorry for giving you a tricky question, because I know that is, but I think <laughs> it is a fear among crew of if I, if I tell the captain um, uh, I need two months off, I might lose my job. And I think it's a very genuine fear. It's a very real fear. One would like to think that the good captains uh, would appease and support their crew in that situation because ultimately it's really no different from a physical ill health. So if somebody had a broken leg, they wouldn't have concern for giving them a couple of months off. So therefore, if they needed a couple of months off to manage their mental health, why not? But I do understand why they, there is that concern. There is also an argument that says if you struggle with your mental health, this is a particularly demanding job on your mental health. So rotation would perhaps be something better to consider. I know, again, you know, having that opportunity to decompress could help manage the, the situation. Liz, have you got any thoughts? I just think this is a very hot topic at the moment and there is no clear guidance I can give. Um it's not just a problem within the super yacht sector. It's a problem right across all sectors of the mm. maritime industry. So um, I'd love to be able to give a, a categoric answer. I'm afraid I can't. Sorry. However, I think uh, if nothing else, you've got to, the whole idea is you've got to put yourself first. So you, like you can't run with a broken leg, you can't work effectively and be the person you can be if you're really struggling with, depression or anxiety or something going on with your your mental well-being and that presumably should always be your priority it should always be your priority but i totally understand why people don't prioritize it because they want to work i think if 
people are that genuinely concerned. The seafarers charities that offer the 24-7 helplines um, and and the, the work that's being done for the superior sector, I think that's a great place to start. They are working with you and they know what you're going through. I mean, probably at this point, I should say there's an awful lot of non-seafaring charities that are doing amazing work like Mind, who have a 24-7 helpline and um, there's, you know, all those other shoreside ones, but they won't have that experience of being at sea and knowing what you're up against. So accessing help through the seafaring charities, I think, is key to get the right advice. And there's a lot of drop in centres now in a lot of the main ports. Um, and just even if you just need to go and rant at somebody about what a hideous charter week you've had, um, they will listen and um, in my experience, quite often you just get it off your chest and you automatically start to see what might help you feel better. So that's a good place to start. But as far as the long term management of um, what you might consider to be a severe um, or a more severe form of, of a mental health problem, I think your first port of call is going to have to be your your own healthcare provider so that they can help identify exactly the right type of help that you need to support you. I think that's one of the other bonuses of being in a very connected world is that you do now also have access to therapists online, whether you email them because you don't have enough private space to, you know, video call or mm -hmm. you, you arrange video call time when you have your own quiet space and you can Wi-Fi. We're not as isolated in that way. You don't have to wait till you can get to one place which is at least allows people an, another avenue to be able to talk because talk therapy is good. Talk therapy is excellent. And actually within the super yacht sector, many yachts subscribe to a private telemedicine service. And I think um, it's another good place that crew can go to to have that conversation because the majority of them all now have mental health experts um, available to have those early discussions uh, so, so that's that's worth bearing in mind for them as well, especially if they can't get off to go and speak to somebody ashore or see their own healthcare professional. Um, I, I wanted to throw to you, just looking finally at at relieving stressors. One of the things that amused me at this talk we had in Majorca was a mental health nurse was saying, you know, everyone tells you go and do yoga or mindfulness and yes they can be great but quite frankly as an she was Australian they don't work for me you know I, I just I get frustrated and bored and yoga and I get frustrated and then that makes everything worse um, I, I think one of the lessons I've learned by talking with people is finding your right space to decompress you know for some people that will be running for some people that will be mindfulness for some people that might be knitting you know it, it can be very different for all of us but finding ways to create that little space um would you agree karen Yes, absolutely. Um, it can be challenging in the industry, but certainly exercise is a is become has become a very normal part of the, of the super cruise lifestyle, and a great way of getting releasing that adrenaline that, that's sort of running through their bodies. And I think one of the things we really wanted to mention as well is that a bit of stress is good. You know, a bit of stress will make you perform better. We know that. You know, when you're under a bit of time pressure, it's great. The challenges come 
when you don't get the chance to release that adrenaline, to release that stress. So the exercise is certainly a great way and a, and a great way that's encouraged. You know, fortunately in the industry, generally speaking, food is good, um, but it can be a challenge in some of the other maritime sectors. Um, and yeah, it's finding what works for you. And that's one of the things that we hope with the workshop is that we'll share a range of different de-stresses um, and people can identify which ones they would like to try for themselves. It might just be squeezing that little punch ball. Or one of the other lovely things I heard was, um, particularly for, for captains, look at when you've got some time off doing some fun crew events, you know, whether it's dog walking or helping at a charity or something that gets your whole crew out off the boat and, and experiencing something different as a team. I kind of like that one. Um, Palma yacht or Palma dogs here, I think, benefit from that philosophy on boats that come into to Palma here. One of the nice things I've seen actually is that crews um, adopt charities. So like your Palma dogs there, but they adopt a charity and they do various events um, to support those charities. And that, that brings people together because it's, it's a common goal and common goals bring people together, don't they? Yeah, they do. And help yeah. with teamwork. I mean, that's the whole For thing. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, both ladies. It was a real pleasure talking to you both. Um, for anyone who wants more information about the de or stress happens, I was going to say de-stressor, but stress happens <laughs> workshops. Um, do they can they get in contact with either of you? Are these workshops going on all around the Med? How are they organised, and and where can people find out more? Well, they can get in touch with either of us. Um, the workshops can be delivered anywhere to suit to suit the crew, to suit a management company. Um, we can organise the venue if, if it's easier for them. Uh, so, yes, very flexible. Geography no, just no, <laughs> no, just contact either redsquaremedical.com or impactcrew.com. And just, is this something that will take them a day? Is it a two-day workshop? I mean, is this something they need to block some time out, or they can we do have it over the ability weekend? to? We can have the ability. We can deliver it in a day. It is a day-long workshop, um, so if they're able to block a day out and do it in one go, that's brilliant. But we're we're quite aware that that's not normally the case. So there is potential to deliver it over the course of two, maybe three days, if it's easier for them. To be fair, every case is different. We will work with the with the crew or the management company to ensure that we. we get the best timetable for them fantastic well well done to you both for really you know addressing this issue focusing uh, you've been focusing not just through this interview but you've been running a number of articles with sam watson on on board online which have been really interesting um and thank you both for you know raising the awareness because for everyone as you say mental health is as important as our physical health and it is something that it's great to see it being addressed a bit more. Well, thank you very much for inviting us. Lovely speaking with you. Thank you. Lovely. That was Karen Passman from Impact Crew and Liz Ba from Red Square Medical. Thank you very much for listening. For any of you that would like to get in touch with them, um, you can go to their websites and find out a little bit more about their Stress Happens workshops, which are all around uh, the med on board on shore wherever you are 
and thank you both for your contribution to raising our mental health in this industry. You have been listening to Supi Art Radio. Stay tuned for a bit more music.